Section 6 of the Watergate Report, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Final Report of the Senate Select Committee on Presidential Campaign Activities, Volume 2, Section 6. J. Lehigh Valley Cooperative Farmers, Incorporated. Lehigh Valley Cooperative Farmers, Incorporated, Lehigh Valley, a corporation based in Allentown, Pennsylvania, representing nearly 1,000 dairymen in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, made a $50,000 political contribution from its corporate funds in April 1972 to the president's campaign in exchange for the appearance of Agriculture Secretary Earl Butts at the cooperative's annual dinner in April 1972. The corporate contribution was made in cash and was subsequently covered up by certain co-op officials, and it was not publicly reported by the Finance Committee to re-elect the President until more than a year later. Receipt of the contribution and the Secretary's appearance were arranged with the knowledge of top campaign officials, including Magruder and possibly Mitchell, and the cash went to a secret fund used by LaRue to pay the original Watergate defendants. In connection with this contribution, the cooperative and former co-op officials, Richard L. Allison and Francis X. Carroll, have pleaded guilty to violating federal law prohibiting corporate political contributions. This matter is discussed in greater detail below. In early 1972, on behalf of Lehigh Valley, Francis X. Carroll, its Washington, D.C. representative, extended an invitation to Vice President Agnew, to attend the co-op's annual shareholders' dinner meeting scheduled for April 20, 1972. According to Richard L. Allison, then president and general manager of the co-op, Carroll told the co-op board of directors that $35,000 was needed to secure the vice president's attendance, and the board approved an honorarium of that amount for the vice president. The Lehigh Valley invitation to the vice president was approved by John Mitchell. However, the vice president was already scheduled to make several political appearances in that area, and his office notified the co-op that he would be unable to attend the meeting. Carroll apparently would not take no for an answer. After receipt of the vice president's refusal letter, Carroll contacted certain members of Congress to obtain their support in his efforts, directly referring in at least one instance to a possible contribution. In a letter dated February 28, 1972, to Senator Hugh Scott, Carroll explained his attempt to secure the vice president and stated that Allison had authorized him to contribute $30,000 to the Republican National Committee and or the president's re-election campaign. Senator Scott's office passed on the request to the CRP scheduling office under the direction of Herbert Porter, who in turn assigned the matter to his assistant, J. Curtis Herge. Herge coordinated the surrogate program, which involved a total of 35 cabinet officers, senators, congressmen, and federal agency officials making political appearances in the 1972 campaign as surrogates for the president. As part of his responsibilities for the surrogate program, Herge was responsible for scheduling in the 1972 primary states, one of which was Pennsylvania, whose presidential primary was to be held on April 25th five days after the scheduled co-op dinner. Herge says that when he was assigned the Lehigh Valley matter, he contacted Curtis Uhr, one of Senator Scott's aides, who informed him that Carroll was offering $100,000 for an appearance by the vice president. 
although orr denies knowing of an offer of one hundred thousand dollars or any other amount directly in exchange for such an appearance he acknowledges that carroll implied to him that a contribution would be made later if he was successful in obtaining agnew's appearance hirsch says he reported the offer to magruder who apparently took an increased interest in lehigh valley's request john damgard mr agnew's scheduling aide says that four or five days before the april twentieth dinner magruder asked him to see if the vice president would reconsider his earlier refusal and attend the dinner calling the invitation a high priority damgard does not recall if magruder specifically referred to the contribution in any event the vice president again refused on or about the twentieth a last-minute effort was made to secure a substitute speaker for agnew hirsch says that when he notified carroll that the vice president could not attend carroll told him that for someone of less prominence the contribution would not be one hundred thousand dollars but would be smaller from thirty five thousand dollars to seventy five thousand dollars according to hirsch carroll offered to contribute the money to the rnc but hirsch says he instructed him that the money should go to the fcrp Hirsch then contacted several surrogates, and only Secretary of Agriculture, Earl Butts, did not flatly refuse. Hirsch says that he checked with Carroll, who told him that the $35,000 to $75,000 offer was still open for someone such as Secretary Butts. Hirsch then notified Magruder, who said he would talk to Mitchell to convince Butts to make the appearance. Later that day, Hirsch was notified by Magruder that Butts had indeed agreed to attend the dinner, and that Hirsch was to ask Carroll for $50,000. Hirsch said Magruder told him, don't let it fall through. Hirsch did not. He says he called Carroll and told him that Butts would attend the affair that evening, and he recommended a $50,000 contribution. According to Hirsch, Carroll said it would be in cash, but that he only had $25,000 available for delivery that day. Carroll has given federal investigators a different account of these contacts with Herge. Carroll says that Herge contacted him and told him that Lehigh Valley would have to pay $100,000 for Agnew, but that he vigorously refused this offer. On April 19th, Herge allegedly told him that Agnew could not attend, but that Secretary Butts could for $50,000 in cash, $25,000 on the day of the dinner, and $25,000 immediately thereafter. Carroll says that he reluctantly agreed. Whoever generated the idea of a $50,000 contribution in exchange for Butts's appearance, it is undisputed that it was made in cash during the ensuing week or two. On the afternoon of the 20th, before departing Washington for the dinner, Carroll delivered $25,000 in cash to the messenger sent by Herge, James McCord, the CRP security officer, and William Minshall, a CRP employee and then met Secretary Butts at the airport and accompanied him to Allentown, the site of the meeting. Don Brock, Butts's assistant who accompanied him to the dinner, says that both he and the secretary were aware that Lehigh Valley people had made a contribution, but they were not aware of the source. The $25,000 was given to Porter, who kept it in his office safe at CRP. Hirsch says that following the dinner, at Porter's insistence, he contacted Carroll several times about the remaining $25,000. According to Herge, Carroll finally made the second $25,000 cash payment in early May 1972 to Herge at CRP headquarters. 
Carroll obtained both $25,000 payments from the corporation in the form of checks payable to him, which he cashed. Allison approved both payments. Authorization for the second payment was never sought or obtained from the board. George Buchanan, Lehigh Valley's former comptroller, asserts that an effort was made to conceal the contribution for approximately one year by disguising the payment in the company's records. The contribution was charged to corporate expense accounts, and at one point was even treated as a loan to Carroll. Although Allison says he insisted that the second payment be treated from the outset as a loan to be repaid by Carroll from monthly retainer payments of $3,000 from the co-op, no note was obtained from Carroll until June 1973, more than a year later and after publicity about the matter arose, and Buchanan says that the payment was never recouped from Carroll. The cash contribution was also not reported by the President's re-election campaign organization until more than a year after its receipt. According to Porter and Herge, Magruder said that Stans wanted the money to go to the FCRP, and they transferred it to Hugh Sloan, treasurer of FCRP, almost immediately after the second payment was delivered by Carroll in May 1972. In October, Stans asked Herge about the contribution, and Herge explained it to him. Herge says that at that point Stans said, Oh yes, that must be the money Sloan told me about. We will have to return it because it's corporate money. Herge and Porter both deny any knowledge that the money came from corporate funds. They say that they understood that a wealthy member of the Pew family, of the Sun Oil Company, and connected with Lehigh Valley, had donated the funds, and that they briefly referred to that fact at the time of the transfer to Sloan in May 1972. Sloan says that Porter told him only that the money was contributed through a Washington attorney by a donor who wanted to remain anonymous. Sloan says that he asked Stans in May 1972 about reporting the contribution, but that he was unable to obtain any further information. Accordingly, he did not include it in the May 31st FCRP report to GAO or in subsequent reports. The money, together with an additional $31,000 cash, was transferred to LaRue in July 1972, shortly after the Watergate break-in, most of which was later paid to the original Watergate defendants. Despite Magruder's and possibly Mitchell's involvement in the contribution in May 1972, and Stan's knowledge of it no later than October and possibly as early as May 1972, the contribution was not reported by FCRP to GAO as required under the Federal Election Campaign Act of 1971 until June 10, 1973. Thereafter, federal authorities investigated the contribution, Allison and Carroll left Lehigh Valley and, in May 1974, Lehigh Valley, Allison, and Carroll pleaded guilty to violating federal law prohibiting corporate campaign contributions. On May 6, 1974, Lehigh Valley pleaded guilty to one count of violating federal law prohibiting a corporate campaign contribution, 18 U.S.C. 610, and was fined $5,000. On May 17, 1974, Allison pleaded guilty to a non-willful violation of the same law and was fined $1,000, which was suspended, and Allison was placed on unsupervised probation for one month. On May 28, 1974, Carroll pleaded guilty to a non-willful violation of aiding and abetting an individual to violate the same law and was placed on unsupervised probation for one month. 
K. Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing Company. Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing Company, better known as 3M, made contributions from corporate funds to three presidential candidates during the 1972 campaign. President Nixon's re-election bid received two contributions, one of $6,000 and the other $30,000, while two Democratic contenders, Hubert Humphrey and Wilbur Mills, received $1,000 each. As related by 3M officials in staff interviews, the monies used in these transactions came from a secret cash fund kept in the safe of Irwin Hansen, 3M's vice president of finance. Although a political fund has been in existence at 3M since the 1950s, the fund under Hansen's custody had its origin in 1964. At that time, Hansen was requested by Bert S. Cross, then president and chief operating officer of 3M, to find a new method for raising funds for public relations. The initial method used to raise money for the political contribution fund was obtained by overstating prepaid insurance. This was accomplished by withdrawing money from a corporate bank account and debiting an internal insurance account. The funds were transferred to a Swiss bank using regular commercial banking procedures. The funds held on deposit were withdrawn as required. In 1967, according to Hansen, he and Cross decided that a new source was needed. They met with Dr. T. Gutstein, a Swiss attorney and consultant for 3M. It was proposed that Gutstein submit false billings for services to 3M and, after payment, return the proceeds in cash to Hansen. Gutstein agreed to provide the funds, although he was not told of the intended use. In the fall of 1967, Hansen said he requested $25,000 from Gutstein, who sent 3M a billing for that amount. Hansen approved payment, a check was issued, and Gutstein returned the proceeds in $100 bills to Hansen by insured mail. In April 1968 and May 1969, similar transactions took place, each involving $50,000. After the $125,000 was raised through Gutstein in 1969, Hansen stated that he told Cross that this method of raising money should be discontinued. He related that at that time he believed that only he and Cross were aware that the fund consisted entirely of corporate funds. In November 1970, Harry Heltzer became chairman of the board and chief executive officer. Hansen informed Heltzer of the existence of the fund, but not of its source. He explained to Heltzer that all expenditures from the fund required the chairman of the board's approval. In an affidavit given to this committee, Heltzer said, speaking of the fund, that when the 1972 contributions were made, I was not aware of its origin, and, while I had strong suspicions that the fund contained corporate funds, I did not make an inquiry as to its source probably because I did not want to know the answer. On November 2, 1971, monies from the corporate fund were used to purchase six $1,000 tickets to a Salute the President dinner. The second contribution of $30,000 to the Nixon campaign is described in Heltzer's affidavit. On March 26, 1972, a contribution was made from corporate funds to the Committee to Re-elect the President, when Wilbur Bennett, 3M's Director of Civic Affairs, delivered $30,000 in cash to Mr. Maury's stands. About March 1972, 
mr bennett and mr stans had a conversation during which the latter suggested that three m executives consider giving a contribution to the committee to re-elect the president in a later conversation mr stans suggested to mr bennett that the contribution be in an amount between seventy five thousand and one hundred thousand dollars which amount was comparable to anticipated contributions from other enterprises about the size of 3M. Mr. Bennett tells me that at no time did Mr. Stans assert any overt pressure on him for any contribution, nor was I at any time ever aware of any such pressure. I never did discuss this contribution with Mr. Stans. About March 15, 1972, Bennett discussed Stans' request with me. We agreed that the amount requested was excessive, in light of previous contributions to the Nixon campaign by 3M executives, and the fact that another fundraiser for the president was scheduled for the fall of 1972, we decided that the $30,000 balance would come from a political contribution fund in the custody of Mr. Hansen, Director of Finance. Helser initialed an authorization for Hansen to give Bennett $30,000 in cash. On March 26, 1972, Bennett met with Stans in his St. Paul, Minnesota hotel suite. At that time, he delivered to Stans the $30,000 in cash, along with a $3,000 check drawn on the personal account of Helzer. Subsequently, about $15,000 in contributions from other 3M executives was forwarded to the committee to re-elect the president. In the spring of 1973, when it became apparent that the Common Cause suit would require disclosure of all pre-April 7, 1972 contributions, Stans requested a meeting with Bennett. According to Helzer's affidavit, the following events took place. On May 22, 1973, Bennett met with Stans in Washington, pursuant to his request, and Stans informed him that it was imperative that he have a list of the names of the persons identified with the $30,000 contributions. Bennett returned to St. Paul and drew up a list of 29 persons associated with 3M who had made political contributions in the past and arbitrarily allotted a specific amount to each name. The persons who were named in the list were, of course, not the source of the funds, and they had not been consulted concerning the use of their names. Bennett sent the list to Stans the first week of June. On July 8, 1973, Kenneth Parkinson, the attorney for the committee to re-elect the president, communicated a request to Bennett to confirm the accuracy of the previously disclosed list. Bennett informed Helser of the situation, including the arbitrary preparation of the list. Helser ordered the legal staff to conduct an investigation into the source of the Hansen Fund. They employed outside counsel, and it was ascertained that corporate funds were involved. At 3M's request, the $30,000 cash contribution was returned by the Finance Committee to re-elect the president. No other requests have been made by the company for the return of corporate funds illegally contributed. On October 17, 1973, 3M Corporation and Harry Helzer entered pleas of guilty to violation of the Federal Corrupt Practices Act. The company was fined $3,000 and Mr. Helzer $500. 3M officials have indicated that $136,000 was remaining in the fund and that it has since been returned to the company. End of section 6